Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Backstage Pass. This is episode 19. I'm your host, Vince Edwards. You know me from Sound Image Productions, and I got a couple of Facebook groups I administer called Beyond the Backstage Pass and Death by Lodo. I'm sitting here today with my good friend, Kyle Thomas. Mr. Thomas, how are you, sir? Not too bad, brother. How about yourself? I'm living the dream. Doing what I do. Super good. Super good. What have you been doing this week? What's uh, on your mind? Just busting ass on the S6L right now, getting my events set up, uh, really wrapping my head around making the transition from a Digico mindset to uh, a more S6L fashion. <laughs> getting the avid headspace, is that what we're talking about? Yes, I, I most certainly am. I, yeah, I, I also going through snapshots, learning about parent and child relationships. So I'm that's sorry, it's been great. Uh, what was that last part? <laughs> sorry, exactly what are so you doing? So see another, another headspin. Yeah, yeah, that, that got me turned around a little bit. It's more How'd or less you? just dealing with snapshots within a song uh, for a verse, chorus, bridge kind of setup. Gotcha. So, so getting in the mindset of being more uh, of active mix engineer, you know, mm -hmm. get my pre-production set up so my job is easier when I get on site. You impressed me with your constant uh, push towards uh, continuing, edu continuing education. You know, that's a big thing we love here. We always talk about this a little bit in front of the show, but we've really been bringing them through in the, in the wagon, dropping people in. We've had uh, Winston in today and Chris and uh, God, yeah, actually, Winston we had an interesting face. day today, didn't we? Dude, we Winston drove four hours Winston's to come badass. down here. What Winston a badass. is a badass. The Pointer Sisters guy, he's done everybody. I mean, the list is too long to even go into, but we love this guy. He'll be on the show in, uh, I want to say, five or six weeks. Uh, you know, we're booked way out. Mm -hmm. But Winston's coming on. He'll tell his stories. Um, we love him. And yeah, he's I got, been in here all day training. You know, uh, I also have the podcast on on the way. We're setting up a really simple syndication right now to get that on on all platforms. Hopefully, Spotify and everywhere else you guys like to, to view these things. We'll we'll have it up soon enough. Um, we also just opened up our Instagram account, so if you guys can give us a like and a follow, it's uh, at its infancy. So we'll add more content as we go. But uh, that's that's kind of what I, we've gotten going. Well, I, that's been in your deal the whole way, and I appreciate it, and you're doing a great job. We seem to have uh, a little bit of action on that, in the whole Instagram deal. So, mm. you know, I'm a more of a Facebook guy. I'm going to do an impromptu survey later about this. Uh, Please do, yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. But, yeah, no, I like the way that's going, and uh, folks that are See? into Instagram, I think they'll enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, and the problem that I've found with Instagram, the one thing is, like, sharing the links. The YouTube links, they're not necessarily shareable in uh uh, most settings so I will everybody that follows the Instagram account I go and follow you back I like your pictures because I want to be involved I check out what you guys do yeah. but I also send out uh, a personal you know DM to everybody uh, posting the show so if you guys aren't on Facebook you will receive it on Instagram as well very cool I appreciate what you're doing hey Mike you bring up the comments on the monitor brother if we get any please um, well you know I think it's a good idea to go down that lane. The idea with the podcast I'm super supportive of was strip out some audio content and put in some fill, and it would be a nice thing, I think. A lot of people, not everybody watches this. Uh, we have friends that tend to throw it on while they're driving from place to place. And yeah, whatever way we can get out to the people and share our show with them, I, I appreciate it. Good stuff. Right on, man. Really appreciate it. Um, We've been very lucky with our guests. We've uh, got a couple people coming up that I'm super excited about. Should we talk about who a guest was in the building today? I wonder if we're allowed to do that. I don't see any way out of it. Uh, yeah, so we came to work today. 
There's always surprises in this place. Uh, and we're, I'm with, hanging with Greg Price, who's going to be our guest next week. Uh, that's Ozzy Black Sabbath. Uh, he's a legend, more or less. He's the real deal. Um, nice uh, Van Halen. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Rage Against the Machine uh, engineer. And he was with Brad Maddox, of course, of Rush and everybody else. And um, Mike Borden came in. I was the drummer for Ozzy Osbourne. I was and, a little surprised. And uh, why? Well, it's like I come in, I've been coming in but, every day and trying to figure things out. And it's like, not I'm used to the, the core group of guys. So to see, a, 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 you know, somebody new, especially as, you know, legendary as that show. He's a badass. I've been uh, hanging out and dealing with that young man since, um, fuck, early 90s with Faith No More. I used to hang out with the drummer he replaced, Lynn Perko, who went on to, a girl, this wonderful drummer, who went on to play with Sister Dove Happiness. But um, yeah, that's who he, he replaced. And Dude, we were just talking about full rock star, God drummer. You said you did what, uh, Eddie and the Tide up at Prairie Sun. I that did indeed. Where... This is 86 or something we recorded that album. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, I, I I'm guessing then. it's uh, 80s, middle 80s, blur, you know. Well, so what a small world that he did uh, that first, uh, what their, their, their first album? They did, exactly. Or was it the uh, I forget what it was called. It was, I think it was their first album, Yellow. I don't know. It's hard to remember. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't want to. I just know, found out about this. I thought I was so interested. I'm like, dude, look at the house. Very Sun has done a lot of stuff for a little house up in Katati. I mean, it's, it's you know, they've been there through kind of different iterations and different uh, management and ideas and uh, technology. And that they're still going is kind of a testament to what they're doing. And then they got their live sound division. You know, yep. we always like to be friendly with the, uh, the other vendors out there in the world. Um, good enough. I'm glad to hear you're working on that stuff. I'm excited because we have uh, an amazing guest today. Oh, you know, sure it's, do. It's, it's one of the people that comes in and trains with us, a good friend of us, a friend of Sound Image. Um, but it has a really unique story that's going to take some, some parsing out to, to get through it because this person is a musician, is a very talented A1, uh, amazing audio engineer, but also, uh, you know, she's was in the founding, a founding member of the, the seminal band for Non Blondes. And she also has played with uh, Funkadelic and works for George Clinton and all of his iterations as their engineer and is a genuine badass. And we really are happy to have her here. We got Miss Shauna Hall. How are you, Shauna? I'm great. It's really great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure. Now, You've been doing anything. You look wonderful. I get to see you every so often because you come in for training and you brought in Sue Kearney, which was lovely to have her in and friends. I'm interested in knowing what you've been doing for the last, what is it, five months since we've been doing all this? What's, what's your secret? How are you making this all make sense? Uh, being an artist at heart, we're kind of introverts. That's right. So I think uh, I'm taking this maybe a little easier than some <laughs> in terms of, you know. Good for you the social distancing part but uh I, I i you know am a workaholic by nature so mm -hmm. i've been keeping pretty busy with a variety of things uh, i help my mom who's a music therapist get her music therapy uh, practice onto zoom mm -hmm. and her uh, her uh, training courses and uh, you know the the different um uh Things she has to do with her students that are international students as well as uh, local students, all that transferred onto using Zoom with high quality music. That was the, the trick. To steal from the uh, non copyrighted stuff off YouTube? 
No, no, no. It, it, well, you just getting it to sound people. good was the issue. Um, since they're private um, sessions, there's no performance rights okay. issues. But um, that's a good point, though. <laughs> That, that's the only I, way to fly, if you ask I me. I think uh, people are getting a crash course in, uh, in performance rights, uh, <laughs> copyright law right now. It's the, interesting it's the, to watch. <laughs> it's a thing that you want to get right, because if you broadcast and you don't have rights, they Heck will get you and yeah. they will shut you down. They will. And yeah. so it's very important to be careful about that. I, uh, I own a couple publishing companies and was fortunate enough to be schooled by a talented a uh, songwriter, Bonnie Hayes, oh, yeah, publishing. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that was yeah, no in, invaluable. I mean, well, she's, she's seriously. tooled around with a couple legends because let's get to that. Let's talk about it. I want to, of course, you know, we're roadies. That's, and, but most roadies are musicians too, yeah. or at least trying to be, or tried to be. Um, I want to talk about your time with Linda Perry and you starting the band, being a founding member of Four Non Blondes. That was, um, that, that was the early 90s, I believe. Late 80s. Uh, late 80s, amazing band. Um, really kind of took a minute to take a hold of it. You guys came out of the, out of the shoot pretty fully realized. Talk about that. Yeah, um, well, uh, the, that band, Four Non Blondes, was born out of another band uh, that had three out of four of us in it. Uh, it was called the Lesbian Snake Charmers, mm -hmm. and it had me, Krista Hillhouse on bass, and Wanda Day on drums. And we left that band over, you know, kind of a dumb reason, but it was a good reason. <laughs> we decided to stick together, and uh, we, we were, you know, sure we wanted to play music. And previously, Krista and I had played in a band together, and I was the vocalist because I'm a writer. But mm -hmm. I never really felt comfortable as a front person. So I was like, no, let's hold out and find somebody that can really play that part. And eventually, uh, Linda became that person. And uh, we, we really, the interesting thing about that band was um, everybody was really different, but we were very focused in the same direction. And we had a good chemistry musically. Critically so important. It, and, and good writing, like, you know, between me and Linda and the rest of the band contributing, we had a lot of great material. Yeah, it was an amazing day. I know in, what was it, in, I believe, 92, you guys won the Whammy, which is a Bay Area award. It's basically the Grammy for the Bay Area for the best rock band. Uh, best rock album, what was it? We, we won a bunch of awards, but... Um, when I was in the band, we won the coveted Whammy, you got which the whammy. was was the, uh, the 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 local awards that were sort of like the anti Bammies. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a Grammy. It was, well, it's, it's a Whammy because we had the, the w. SF Weekly magazine sponsored it, so it was called the Whammies yeah. rather than the the Bammies or the Grammys, and uh, we won Best New Rock Band or something like that with the Whammies. Then I left the band before the Bammy Award. So I wasn't there, but yeah, I think it was for best new rock band or something like that. Were you involved when they got signed with Interscope? Yes, I was. So you have been through the get signed on a big label yeah. deal. Yeah, I went, I went through the process. That, that can be. And at a certain point, um, I just wasn't really for me. Yeah, I can totally <laughs> understand that. Well, I guess that leads me That's to the, the question. Best way to put no, no, that. I, I've been involved <clears> with uh, uh, that negotiation, that. A&R to uh, rock band to big record, Atco, Atlantic Records, so on. And that is a, wow, Did, that do you is feel quite like a that, process. Do you feel like that made you slightly jaded in this industry? <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm all, out of all seriousness, I came from a record label myself. I'm not nearly as uh, well-versed of a musician, nor mm -hmm. do I have as big of a repertoire as yourself. Mm -hmm. But I felt like getting involved in that side of it was so soul-crushing to <laughs> <a certain extent. laughs> 
It, well, I think, you know, it, well, it didn't deter me from making music because I was born to make music. I didn't become a musician to make records, you know what I mean? I, I just, it was something I just was compelled to do sure. and started at three years old playing music. So um, it, for me, it didn't uh, completely get me jaded, but it, it gave me um, a, a clear distinction between making music and making records for the record industry. You know, like you don't have to participate in the record industry to be a successful artist and you don't have to participate in the record industry to have your your art subsidized. There's other avenues. And right. so that's, that was, a, you know, like a discovery I kind of made. Because, you know, as a young person and being a musician and being an American, quite frankly, they measure you by this type of success. If you're a musician that has a weekly gig, but you're not on MTV, you're not seen as a successful musician. So mm. we, we are kind of like, uh, we're, we're fooled into thinking that's the right direction to go in if, if you're ta a talented musician or you feel like you want to express yourself. And it, we were really good at it, so it happened really fast. But once I got there, I was kind of, it was like a real empty victory for me. I, yeah. I, I remember just not being that, like when we finally got the record deal and after we'd gone through all the whining and the dining and all the kind of glamorous parts of it, I was just kind of like, I don't, I just don't quite feel like I got what I wanted or expected. What killed and me was the uh, the whole idea of you know learning about payola scandals and those kind of things, and then realizing what a marketing package was, yeah, and what ten grand really got you on KMEO and those kind oh, of things. Oh, oh yeah. Like, oh wow, this is all pay to play, you know? Oh yeah. How soul crushing is it really when you're like, it doesn't matter how good my music is. Right. You I'm, have to be plugged into that machine, and that's why I mean, and that's that's exactly right. That's what when people ask me for advice. First question I ask them is, do you want to make music? Do you want to get famous? Do you want to get rich? Like, what is your goal? Because there's diff, you know, if you want this thing, if you want to be famous, you're going to have to plug into a machine that can make you famous. And that takes a bank, basically, which, which is what I think a label is, is like a bank that supplies the, the, the financing to produce and promote a top 10 hit record which is what the Four Non Blondes deal was all about. I mean, we at least had a smart enough manager to get, a, get us a deal where those budgets were built into the contract so that, you know, they couldn't kind of puss out on us at the last minute and not, you know, promote the, the record the way it deserved to be promoted, the way it was visualized from the beginning, because that happens a lot. Mm. But um, you have to have that machine behind you if you want to be famous on that kind of a global level. Well, let's go from Four Non Blondes to uh, playing in the different Clinton, George Clinton uh, bands. Was there, did the tech thing happen to you before you played in his band, before you started mixing him? What was the time? Yeah, um, well, I got interested in producing music um, and, and engineering because of my experience recording with the Four Non Blondes uh, and realizing that I didn't really have a vocabulary or um, enough experience in studio engineering to really get what I wanted out of the recording session or understand what was really happening. And therefore, I was kind of taken advantage of. I was gaslighted a lot. Mm -hmm. For instance, I was told that I couldn't have my own monitor mixed because it was too expensive, which is like all it takes is a channel and, a, and an amp. Ridiculous, yeah. or, or, you know, having the playback in my head coming off of the wrong, you know, not the 
the, the wrong head of the two-inch tape machine, so I, everything I, I played sounded like it was out of tune. It was made to look me... What is a repro head, really? I mean, come I, on. <laughs> Good question. I mean, most people don't ever use it unless they're, you know, uh, calibrating or something. But anyway, um, I, so I decided to learn. It was, it was something I needed to know, just like knowing the publishing end of the business, I needed to understand the recording end of the business as well. And so, uh, you know, I, I luckily had a bunch of money and time and, and bought into uh, the Pro Tools thing. I had a little four track and taught myself all this stuff. And I wanted to become an intern in a recording studio. And that's where I met George, was at this studio called Off Planet. And I ended up engineering some sessions for him because the engineer didn't show up. And that, my relationship with him uh, started out in the studio. Mm -hmm. And then eventually we wrote some stuff together. And then I went on tour with his band as just kind of a Nobody wanted to go to Fiji for Y2K, so yeah. I got to do that, that part of it. And eventually, um, I ended up playing uh, in his band because uh, I, I ran into him in Europe. I uh, went to go visit him at a show, mm -hmm. and uh, a member of their crew had to leave the tour, so I just kind of stepped in as a well, you mentioned to, you're a guitar player. Yeah, I'm a guitar player. Yeah. And um, so I stepped in to just sort of be a whatever they needed me to be. If, they, if the bass rig broke or if something happened on stage, I'd try to fix it. I had a, a M-Box and a laptop, which was brand new at that time, so we could record after the shows in the hotel rooms. And he, he had me just join the, the, you know, it's like running away with the circus, literally, yeah, yeah, like get on the bus, okay, here's, yeah, yeah. I ha happen to have my suitcase with me, all right. So uh, that's how I ended up uh, working with George. and. Um, in the middle of, in, and I have him to thank for my live sound education because he put me in the monitor position one day. Which band? P-Funk, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. That you just got thrown into the fire for Just completely monitor. without ever having done live sound in my entire life other than rehearsal room. That's, you know, that PA. is throwing somebody into the fire. And I just was really too naive to really know how crazy that was to do. <laughs> big deal. <laughs> because there are 12 mixes, the stage is 110 dB. Yeah. There's, you know, at least 36 open mics, six guitar stacks, you know, like two bass rigs. Just insane. Horn section, singers, background singers, people running around just passing the mic around like it's a relay race or something, you know, and I'm I'm just like, "Whoa." Yeah, what's that's... going on and so I had to learn on the job um, how it is to, the best how way to, to learn how to do that I mean, but yeah. but that's uh, you know that happened to me in you know four piece <laughs> that's when I became a real uh, yeah. live sound engineer full <laughs> definition of trial by fire oh, my and I did that for about two years and then I just was like okay I can't I'm I'm starting to drink. Like this is bad. <laughs> I gotta. Like, I give I up, see Uncle. Drive you to drink. <laughs> and then yeah. from there, I, that I just. That band in particular, yes, <laughs> yeah. they, they yeah. handful. And uh, then, handful. and then from there, I joined the band as a full-time guitar player because I'd always played a little guitar. And in fact, it was really funny at the end of the night when I was monitoring, mixing. I suddenly I'd turn to the house guy and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna go on stage now. So just hold it down and." keep your eye on George and he'd be like what are you what do you mean and then just walk out there and pick up a guitar and start, start playing it was always the end of the show and um, so I'd spend the last 30 minutes of the show on stage eventually though I became a full-time guitarist in the band and I kept that position for about 
10 years, or about six years. And then did you eventually, if I understand it right, kind of go out front and be front of house and kind of step away from the, the plane in the band and in, pretty much take over the in, front of house chores? No, what no, was no. The, what was the, give me the connective tissue. I, did, I have never done front house for people. You've always been monitored. Always did monitors for him, yeah. And you're still on the payroll, right? I mean, if he was to go out, you'd go out? No. No, no, no. I, I had a bad head injury, so I can't, information. I can't tour. Here. Uh, I can't. I mean, once you're in the mob, yeah. which is the funk mob, is mm -hmm. the family inclusive, right. you're always in the funk mob. So I'm still listed. Like, you know, George gave me a shout out for my birthday a couple weeks ago. It says guitarist, you know, P-Funk guitarist, Shauna Hall. Although I haven't toured with him in going on eight years now, you know, I've sat in from time to time here and there, but... I don't uh, actively work on the road with him, although that's not to say I never will, you know? I mean, I might someday do that again, uh, either as an engineer or uh, a musician, but um, we're, you know, we're still really close family. But I, I didn't ever do front of house for him. I've done front of house for like IATSE things, but never for P-Funk. Don't jump ahead. I want to talk IATSE with you because okay. we're fans. We're all fans yeah, of yeah. the IATSE <laughs> union, of course. Um, I want to talk to you about touring versus corporate versus theater. Do you have a preference? Right now, I really like corporate. <laughs> is, it the, is it the money that makes you say that? Um, is it well, the kind of money cool, casual, easy? In San Francisco, well, I don't know if I should say this, but uh, there are bigger budgets in corporate, so yeah. yeah. Um, there's definitely more money on, uh, per show. That's a fact. Um, I like that there's a, there's a big budget, so you have really cutting-edge gear to, to play around with, so you, you get to you know, learn how to use uh, new technology as it comes out, um, and I find it just a little bit more civilized for lack of a better word like I, I did so much stuff with rock and roll it's a very interesting and, um, choice civilized yeah. I just uh, prefer the sort of cut and dry like we're here to do this job like um, and I think that the level like the shows I've been doing like Dreamforce or some of the larger that's a big show shows you know where I'm like you know miking up Benny off and you know the VIPs and stuff like I, I work with some really amazing people that are very smart and yeah. it's, it's I feel like I'm part of a team and uh, it just suits me you know yeah. I, I know that we're gonna do a good job and I take that really seriously and I, I, um, I like it's satisfying to me when I can deliver that and I know my team is gonna back that ethic up. And largely when you do corporate, um, we just mentioned IATSE, and you're, you were with Local 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great house. Great shop. Best in the one country. Of the, one of the early ones in the game, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I think so, yeah. But uh, speaking of which, Malcolm Gotchberg chimed in uh, right before this show and said hello. Okay. <laughs> well, I think she... What's up, Local 16? That's right. Shout it out. Shout it out. What's, what do you think the benefit... Uh, being a, in a local versus in a, the IATSE family versus, say, just being a standalone freelancer? What's the benefits? Well, for me, the benefits are the benefits. Uh, the bennies. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, actual bennies. Um, and, you know, as I grew older, um, that sort of like adult, grown-up sort of mind frame just, you know, made 
it, you start thinking about things like that. So, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I had a pretty bad head injury, and so I had to stop touring. And when I had to reassess, like, what am I going to do, you know, for income if I can't play guitar and tour? So uh, I, I'd already been, you know, doing very, very few, but usually a few times a year shows through IATSE 16 as an overhire. And I like doing the production side of it, you know? I mean, it was really eye-opening, <laughs> I'll be honest, because all those years as I was a musician, I really took for granted that someone had to build the stage and someone had to rig the lights. And, you know, those things are always there when, when I walk in for my sound check. And yeah. I, I'll never forget walking into the Civic my, on my first 16 job and just kind of like having this aha moment of, wow, like, this room is completely empty. Like, yeah. There's nothing in here. It just, it just gets built and then it gets taken away. But anyway, um, yeah, so I, I decided to check it out. And uh, fortunately, um, it worked out for me. And uh, I think, you know, just having the pension and the health and welfare and having, you know, a, a, a job that allows you to stay home and tend to your family or your health or your houseplant, whatever it is that you can't do when you're touring yeah. um, appealed to me at that stage in my life. I completely understand that. Yeah. yeah. That makes perfect sense. And starting out, your first room you said was the Bill Graham Civic? Um, oh gosh, I think the first thing I did for those guys was um, an Oracle conf uh, show at AT&T at AT Park. Mm, that was and probably with us. Probably, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of the bigger uh, park shows, I remember vividly doing the uh, the the wall tour. Oh, really? Uh, the the one in I guess it would have been I don't know 2006 or so. Was that uh, with Roger Waters yeah. or David Gilmore's version? Uh, it was the Waters version. Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of real deal one. Um, Super fun. Yeah. When you were traveling and touring, do you have a favorite spot you like to go? Favorite house? Love the Paradiso in Amsterdam. Uh, amazing. That's always great. Uh, Glastonbury. Yeah, like great place. The most fun festival. I've probably ever had as an adult was hanging out there for a couple of days before the show. And Weather can be a little. Oh iffy. my God. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. Uh, sadly only been once, but uh, the the crew for our stage actually set me up a tent in the crew camping area, crew camping area, so I could I flew in a couple of days early and hung out with the, that stage crew. Well, that's was, pretty cool. They were super cool. Those oh, yeah. guys were, were they the best. They know their shit out there. They, they were very hospitable. Yeah, very cool. They were really cool. Do you have a favorite show, favorite tour? Favorite tour, favorite show. Um, well, it, I have a favorite moment, and it, it, I guess it was kind of dovetailed in the show, but it was uh, during uh, the Obama inauguration in Washington, D.C., mm. and uh, we went there. We were supposed to do this show, Dionne Warwick's Legends show, and it was at a hotel. We pull in there. It's in the middle of, as everyone remembers, like the coldest day on earth mm. ever, and uh, it, you know, snowing like day. crazy, right? And um, we pull into this hotel, and uh, they ended up renting the, we got the presidential suite, and a few of us and George and his family ended up in this presidential suite. And um, so we're all excited, right? And uh, we're watching the inauguration on TV. Sly Stone's in the room. Like, it was just this amazing Talk about moment. That's One amazing. of our uh, roadies' sister lived in town. She 
cooked this huge breakfast for everybody. It was just this total like family moment. And while we're watching the inauguration, the phone rings and uh, someone answers it and uh, it's got the funny, this funny look on her face, you know? And we're like, what? wonder what that was. So show ends, show ends. The inauguration's over. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off. I wanna go down to the mall and just kind of check shit out. And we're supposed to do a show that night. And uh, as I'm getting ready to leave, I get this knock on my door. Hey, um, we're gonna have to check out here at five o'clock. The show's canceled and they're kicking everybody out of the hotel. <laughs> and I was like, what? And uh, so apparently that whole show, something went wrong with uh, the money, I guess. Uh, the promoter didn't have the money, and so they canceled the whole thing. But by the end of the day, we were rescheduled to take Slash's place at a show that was called the Red, White, and Blue Heroes Ball, and it was a military-focused show. And really, and which, which uh, band was going in? P-Funk. P-Funk, Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> to, to a military-focused... To, to a military-focused red, 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 white, and blue ball. like 12 balls that happened that night. During, yeah. Yeah, what kind was, of balls are we talking about? This no, was they're, the... They're crack balls or... The, inauguration the, 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 the balls. The guy has to go to each ball yeah. and show up and do one, at least one dance. It's kind of like a... It's a thing. It's a real deal yeah. thing. But, but, he, but I'm interested in P-Funk and the military. Yeah, I'm trying to put the this together in my head. Warner Theater. Um, okay, and, uh, yeah, really cool place. Yeah. And this wasn't one of the official balls, so the president wasn't going to show up at it, but it was still on the official list of things, right? And very well attended. Well, during the P-Funk show, there are some mythological P-Funk characters that show up in the songs and on the album cover art and all this Mm -hmm. stuff, and the fans know it. And the characters, you know, sometimes will do a little bit of drama on the stage that draws from these stories. One of them is Cerno's Devoid of Funk, who's this guy that's too cool to dance. Until he gets enlightened, he gets hit with the bop gun, and George makes him dance, and then, he can, then he's cool and he can dance. Then he gets the funk. So, but when he comes out on stage, he holds up the sign that says, fuck George. <laughs> and everybody in the audience immediately thinks that he's talking about George Bush, the outgoing president. No. And because they're not familiar with P-Funk, like you said, like we're at this mismatched audience band thing, right? And so like probably I'd say at least a third of that audience got up and walked out because of this misunderstanding. And it even made it into these like right wing blogs and websites that George disrespected, you know, George George Bush. Bush. And he's like, fuck George Bush. And I literally like, went online and, and I was like, no, you, you have to understand, like I, I found pictures of that sign being held up like, you know, 20 years ago, right. showing like, this is something we do every night. It's, you just, know? it's a but bit, yeah. That was some crazy, that, that was a crazy day and night, I must admit. Well, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> like, it sounds fun though. I was I enjoyed was, the chaos once it, in a while. It could be very fun. And most of the show went great and most of the audience loved it. And, uh. It was, it was an awesome experience. Borderline impossible not to enjoy a and just George be, Clinton show. <laughs> and just being down in D.C. watching the inauguration. And I saw, I saw them walking. I ran out and, and witnessed the parade and saw them waving. It was a very it, special day for our it country. It was very special, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> for me. Good stuff. <laughs> you know, I mentioned earlier when you were coming on the show that um, you've done a lot of training here. And mm-hmm. I know you really appreciate and kind of respect the idea of continued training. Yes. Um, 
thoughts on continued training? What's the value of it to you? Why should you, or do you think we should recommend it to our brothers and sisters in the audience? Well, uh, lots of, <laughs> I can't think of a reason not to train, really. Right. Um, you know, for me, uh, it served me in so many ways. I mean, like, you know, when I was just starting out as a songwriter, I learned how to use a Porta Studio and a drum machine. And then from that, you know, knowledge, I built onto learning a console and programming MIDI stuff. And from that, you know, which enabled me to work with George Clinton, right? And then right. from there, I learned live sound, which enabled me to work with IATSE. And so, you know, education is going to facilitate work, for one thing, but also, like, the mantra work smart, not hard, yeah. is, is steeped in technology and education, you know? I'd, okay. I'd still be, you know, pushing boxes if I didn't commit to learning Dante and getting my, all my certs in Dante, learning RF coordination, you know, learning MIDI programming and understanding SMPTE and, you know, all this stuff, so, There's yeah, nothing I mean, I've thrown at you so far you can't, can't do yeah, and I'll tell you, get on top uh, of it. Out of all the people that have come in, you've definitely picked up the SXL the most, uh, oh. not only on the time frame that you've given yourself, the amount of time that you spent on that desk, but you truly grasp on some of the concepts that other people are trying to figure out or maybe struggling a little bit with. And it's interesting to talk to you about using your, your implementation with Ableton and that, you know, with your recordings and doing the live shows, but also the implementation of Max MSP. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot of people in our industry implementing that right now, you know. Well, how do you implement it in your show? Um, well, I, uh, I, I do um, like live looping and playing with tracks and then I added uh, a visual element to it and I use Ableton Live, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, I've learned on my own, but also through uh, some training I did with Laura Escaday and her uh, transmute accelerator oh, and she trained uh, the person that trained the, him ableton team yeah no she was the first uh, certified trainer in the united states mm. from ableton and she was kanye's right arm person for seven years i don't think he's toured since she left his his group uh, doing all the vocal processing using ableton but you know, she runs a, a company that programs and design shows but also trains playback engineers so this playback um whatever you want to call it, engineering, uh, you can use it to run shows or you can use it as an artist. And so I use it as a, both. But uh, as with artistry, I uh, discovered this really cool Max for Live plugin called Visible. And it, it's really cool because it lets you treat visuals, be it a JPEG picture or a, a, a movie clip, just like you would use uh, audio clips in it. So you can have a clip just run from beginning to end, or you can have a little clip that just loops around, or you could you know, trigger a clip or trigger a photo. And um, you, you can create these, like they're almost like samplers for, uh, for photos or movies. And so you can drop pictures into, um, into the sampler, have a MIDI controller, trigger it with a MIDI controller, or you can automate it so that the music triggers that stuff. And then furthermore, the visible stuff is really cool because it has these audio-driven plugins that use audio to cause the visual to change, you know, in different ways, like uh, different effects or yeah, different like shape. Yeah, little filter you put over it. Yeah, and um, so I created this program where I had um, a 
EQ filter on three different returns for ones filtering just the lows, just the mids, just the highs, and then having a, a, a visible effect on each of those returns. So when the music that's going through, like whatever I'm playing, it's gonna, the bass is gonna make the visuals do one thing, the guitars are gonna make the visuals do another thing. And in concert, it gets really super psychedelic and really cool. So, but, the, but my goal though was to make something that reacted in real time so that if I were to like, for instance, play um, a part that had a delay on it, then maybe the visual would also have some kind of weird delay or a strobe or something on it, or a, a distortion would cause the, the, it to get really dark or something, mm. or, you know, so the visual and the, the, the sound are simultaneously like a synesthesia type of thing. They're making one motion, one expression from one MIDI controller that is controlling both those things simultaneously. So if I use a wah-wah pedal, it's gonna wah-wah the wah-wah-wah, but it's also gonna make the visual do some weird filtery yeah, thing too. Cool. So yeah, that's the gist of it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Uh, this is a silly question. But I became curious about this last night as we were building the Instagram thing, which I don't have a relationship with. I'm a Facebook guy, but I'm going to come over to you, informal uh, survey, social media, Twitter, which I don't understand at all, Instagram <laughs> or Facebook, and why? Which one? Yeah, you, you know. Do you tweet people? Are you a tweeter? <laughs> I used to, t no, um, what's the past tense of tweet? Don't say it. Uh, don't, don't say, say it. it. Yeah, that was, I almost um, did too. And not in a bad way. <laughs> just, yeah, no. My bad. That was my uh, inner child coming out there. Um, well, I have, a, I have three. I have all three accounts. My Instagram has one post. <laughs> <laughs> my Twitter has maybe a dozen posts. And Facebook is, like, I still use it daily. So I guess... Just by default, I'm a Facebook person, but I must say that I on I prefer I I think I like the Instagram uh, platform, um, especially for musicians and artists. I think a that it's a uh, you know it's a concise, short you know way to present ideas and and share things that you're it doing. It's more of a visual platform. Yeah, or even visual or music because you can put, post videos or clips. Gotcha. Um, and it's and it's you know it's not political like. Twitter's like way too, it's like next door on steroids and yeah, it seems like it's bad been... drugs, you know? What and happened to MySpace? Oh boy, what? I, I, <laughs> I feel like life was simpler then where like, I could just like a bunch of, of bands. MySpace. I still have a MySpace They'd put page. me on their top 10 and I'd put my influences and that was it. You're People done, knew what you good. were about. It was all, it was a simpler time. There's no algorithm. Do you, do you remember when you first like encountered MySpace, what was your, I mean, my thought was, oh my God, this is a marketer's dream come true. People I, are volunteering all their. Well, we were in a punk <laughs> band from New Hampshire. There isn't too much like networking you do away from maybe talking to some cows. So it was like, cool, these guys are badass. They're from California. Let's, let's put them up there as our little influence. You know, it's like our, our only way to really network outside of our small circle. That's a beautiful, I mean, is, wasn't that, a that's a great service. thing. Oh, yeah. sure it was. That's a really, that's what I think the point of it was the connectivity, right? So, but yeah. Well, they're, I think that's the point of all, all evil, of the, though. All I mean, the formats, but they all have a little bit of ugly kind of attached to them. I was just about to say, treachery. you know, the 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 platforms are, you know, 
they, there's, there has to be responsibility with uh, freedoms. And so mm -hmm. I think that stuff still has a little bit of working out to be done to well, make sure Other that countries have worked. I think you're talking done. about privacy rights and so on. And I think other Not countries that, in the EU has certainly worked that out. Just it's, the way that people can just put whatever the hell they want up there unchecked is really, I think, of a, a greater concern, you know? I think it's fascinating creating the back, Beyond the Backstage Pass account and I like everybody's photos, and I, I get my personal account blocked because I like too many photos. <laughs> it's like, isn't this the purpose of this? There seems to be a couple things going on there. So, for example, they used to, and I'm sure you saw where in Facebook, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, one of the founders, um, talked about that he didn't want to impinge on politicians to be correct and factual because mm -hmm. that was messing with free speech. On the other hand, I put up a picture of Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and what looked like was a selfie and it said something to the effect of you'll never be as cool as Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Chuck Norris taking a selfie and they hit me for factually being incorrect and, oh, and get out of here. I swear to fucking Christ. Oh my God. And, and I swear it was within a day or two uh, and I'm kind of prolific on Facebook but it was within a day or two of me hearing this other thing about that, you know, it's okay to lie blatantly and freely right. if yeah. you're a politician right. but I'm apparently not to be able to put up a it was amazing. It was amazing. So I'm a little, that one's got me a little over a barrel, not sure to, to land on it. I, um, I, I think you, um, you, you have good reason to be <laughs> questioning. And, um, you know, I, I produced a record for a guy named Roger McNamee, and he, he uh, is the front guy in Moon Alice now. Oh, sure. Back then, the band was called the Flying Other Brothers. And in fact, um, the primary uh, project was when he did a, it was a fundraiser for Al Gore's presidential campaign, and I produced it, and then he hired me to do two records after that. But he, uh, he was Zuckerberg's mentor. He's the rather wealthy fellow, he, the person you're talking about. That's a understatement. understatement. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think he's a billionaire. He's more than that. I mean, he's a, he's, a, really he's a really amazing human being, and he um, uses his uh, superpowers for good. Anyway, he wrote a book called mm -hmm. Zucked, and it really gives insight into that whole situation and because he helped build it and was you know instrumental in um making it into the giant thing that it is he felt some responsibility uh, when he couldn't really get mark zuckerberg to to sort of what he would call do the right thing mm -hmm. he felt, I mean, like, he felt robot, that he had clearly. to had to uh <laughs> right. Let's, just, let's, let's get it out there. Mark's a robot. Android with a really bad haircut. He talks about data points. No one else understands it. He's a robot. You know, well, he, he's he, a unique human being. I think there might be more than one. But anyway, yeah, so that book Zucked is a good um, insight into that whole thing and why it's so uh, it's, scary. It's got a weird addictive <clears throat> quality. That's why I'm uh, kind of handed off the Instagram thing. I like to have kind of hands-on with my show here, but... But I, the last thing I need with my little <laughs> Facebook habit is to be on Instagram more than I need to be. So, you don't this is where you made the mistake. Right? <laughs> I'm going to start posting so many oh, rude man. photos of you when you're not paying attention. Like, boom, I'm going to kick I'm in the door to the bathroom. And you ought to be real careful. Plus, you've been known to 
protect my rights. <laughs> you might be right. But uh, just you just think before you act. That's He's all like, I'm saying. He's like, this is my I, trademark. I have, I have a little bit of a there's history. Vinny, there's Vinny going to, to the bathroom and me kicking in the door. Like, You're going to get You wanted me I'll to control the Instagram, big dog. <laughs> you, could, you could get away with that for a second, but the wound's going to take a while to heal. I'll tell you what. Behave. That's a trademark. Uh, listen, uh, we love having you on. I'm curious, you know, you've been doing this for a minute, and you've been amidst all the craziness lately, and we got some craziness to go. I feel like next uh, hundred days is going to be a little weird. Yeah. There's some strange stuff in the mail and in the, in the news about mail and other things. We won't get into it. That's not what we do in this show. But talk to me about what you think the future holds. I mean, I, I know you want to get out there. You want to mix. You want to do what you do. You've been training your ass off. You've countless hours in here. Um, what do you think this is going to happen? What's the timeline? Uh, the timeline is that's uh, to be determined. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, to get back to what we call normal, yeah. uh, until that happens, I, 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 you know, I think there's going to be a few different things that will happen. I mean, we've already seen this revelation uh, that you can do uh, music from home. You know, artists like Ricky Lee Jones have been doing Facebook concerts and she says over and over again, my God, if you know, I, this is an answer to my prayer. I, she's like, I, I get anxiety when I have to pack and I don't want to leave home anymore. And if I, if I can uh, reach my audience from streaming from my house or doing local larger productions, like she's like, I'm happy to do that. You know, other people want to get out there. So they're inventing different ways to socially distant and do live productions, like the drive-in concerts, like the yeah. UK. Yeah, that was impressive with the, yeah. the 500 independently kind of distant yeah. little which, corrals almost. Yeah, which some people are like, I've been on the down low wishing for this, you know, like I hate, <laughs> I hate having I drunk. $500 for two decks yeah, can you and, imagine? and a rail. So, yeah, let's get 2,500 people in this massive <laughs> soccer field. And it's going to be a pretty, you know, intimate little space, but no sweat. You know, yeah. you're not going to bump into anything. Yeah, no one's going to spill their beer on your yeah, brand new I mean, shoes or I, barf I on you. After, I mean, I haven't I, been on that side of the, the rope in a long time, but yeah. I don't really go out in the crowds too much. But uh, I could see the benefit of that, but I also know that For certain most things. of the, you know, you're going to go see Metallica or Ozzy or somebody. That's different. Part of that mix is being in the, the exactly. mix, getting, you know, squeezed in and exactly. people crowd surfing across your head. and. Precisely. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun in that. It's going to work for some people and not others. And also, I think that you know certain artists that can um, get away with doing the show with tracks rather than a full band yeah. have a better chance of going out because you'll cut down on the amount of crew you need and the amount of people on stage, amount of people on a bus, you know, the amount of people in hotels. If you you know, because you know how it is, like when you're on the crew, you have to double up. Yeah. But if that's going to become well, a hazard, then they would they'd cut back and, and be able to, like, bring out a, a skeleton crew. Laura, but I, I say I think we, the, go, we go and move to New Zealand because I, they're already doing shows. You say that kind of facetiously, I know, but, you know, heads off to those people. For real? I'm I not mean, being Well, they just yeah. shut down again, though, because... Did they? New Zealand shut down for... They had a three-day shutdown because uh, there was a family of four that contracted the virus about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And that was the first, I think it was the 102nd or 103rd day of the virus free that they had this family. Now they have to figure out how they got it, you know, because sure. people aren't really traveling. But out. they, you know, the, but so they put an automatic three-day shelter in place, stop everything uh, to, to figure it out. Um, but 
Um, but I also think like, you know, we were talking about using like the show link, for instance, you know, with the Axiom um, Sure mic wireless stuff, like that kind of technology is gonna help us uh, to not have to have so much contact with the talent that's wearing a belt pack if you can make all the changes uh, from your, you know, your control software mm -hmm. and not have to change the frequency at the pack and you can mute the, you know, the, the RF uh, so that the battery doesn't get drained while they're in the green room. You know, that's just less contact that you have to have with the talent. Those that kind of technology, I think, when people sort of, you know, figure out what we already have in place, invent what we don't have, uh, to cut down on the use of um, things that require too many hands on it. Mm -hmm. You know, even just the new thing they just came out where you can make any mic wireless and run it with the Axient system. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And Showlink, that's that's a game changer. So you're not running cables. That's going to get us back to work faster, I think. And um, you're not wrong. <clears throat> I, I saw my a couple of my friends went out and did the Sturgis thing that just happened, and that was 250,000 people back in Woody's backyard there did, at Buffalo he, Chip. And he, he went he was and worked the show. Chopper Kovic and oh, Sean wow. Perlman went I out and did that. I think Smash Mouth out there, mm -hmm. and a lot of us were sending him like, "Be safe, buddy," you know. Uh, information and, and little love notes worried about him and mm -hmm. so he sent back some photos of him disinfecting the stage and you know this massive audience and there's guys out there with the you know spray pump disinfectants and so he tried to make us feel good about it then they you know it was a fly date so it was a blow and go yeah. but um, I think we're gonna see I, frankly it needed to happen uh, to put that many people together from that many different places to see in about I want to say two weeks Give or take, yeah. What what the news has to say about that? If there's any kind of outbreak, it would be a kind of a good canary in the coal mine, an indicator of what's happening and uh, the potential for us to get out and do what we do as a normal day's work. Like I say yeah. with all these shows, is the more statistics that are are formulated and the more analysis that we can get on all these, and I think time. this yeah, the time is really gonna be the dictator there, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, if we do good and we can really trace this back and figure out a successful way to do it, we'll all be employed. Yeah. <laughs> we like that very much. Very much. Figure I have it a out. lot of gear sitting here getting dusty and I don't like it. Um, listen, it was a pleasure having you here. You know, I adore you. you big, big fan. I really appreciate uh, what you do for us and sound images, uh, you know, hats off. Um, it's a mutual feeling. You're good to us, you know, and we try to be good to you and our, our other people. Uh, we hope to... You too. He's Thank a you. good kid over there. It's been great Thanks to meet you. Out to our show. Yeah, hey, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, you did some good stuff. Yeah, it's nice to be around people that um, you know I can relate to, and we're all passionate about our craft. And um, it's it's kind of I f almost feel like you know like when you're in high school and after school you go, you go to that one kid's house and everybody just kinds of just shows up and kicks it. You know, that's kind of what it feels like here. This is, there's a little bit of a permissive parent vibe here. Yeah. Where, <laughs> well, I don't mean that, but I just mean, you know, it just reminds me of when, you know, because I have so much free time. We're not stressed out. We're not working, but we're working on something. And, yeah. and we're being productive and not just, you know. Absolutely. Pissing our time away. Great well, conversations. Know, yeah, yeah. That and, yeah. And cobwebs do grow. And supporting and each other. It's good to kind of keep your, your, your chops fresh and, you know, keep bringing in information. So we appreciate that for you. And it's invaluable to have the support, too. I have to uh, acknowledge that, you know. That it is our pleasure. You and, and George. And My brother. Kyle. 
have Absolutely. been so supportive of me, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. You're very welcome. And let's not forget the good people at Diablo Digital who supply some gear for the training and some of the, the actual uh, protocol, which is um, our good friends Brad Maddox and Greg Price. Uh, I love those guys. Um, thanks again. It You're was welcome. really great to have it's you. My Donna pleasure. Hall, uh, badass, IATSE 16, A1. Uh, we're lucky to have her. I couldn't do this uh, without the help of my, my team here. We really appreciate it. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank my brother, George Edwards uh, of Sound Image Productions. He's our general manager. Thank you, brother. And the big dog, the top dog, uh, CEO and really founder of Sound and Image uh, Southern California, Dave Shadone. Thank you, Dave, Thanks, for Dave. giving us the space. Uh, we couldn't do it also without the, the gear that we get. Matter of fact, we're gonna change up here. We're gonna change over to a, a different um, batch of gear for filming. We just keep changing things, uh, hopefully for the better, with the help of our friends at LSV. I mentioned last week that uh, our good friends at LSV, which is John Rigney and Cameron Brown, had that unfortunate situation with uh, John Rigney dying, uh, the one of the co-founders of the LSV, that was tragic for us, but they're still behind us. They still support our vision, and we're bringing in a, a really heavy-duty broadcast system in here, and I hope you guys see the difference. Um, uh, I couldn't do it without my good friend, Mike Brown, over behind the control consoles. Thank you, Mike. Doing the switching, really doing everything. This side of lighting, which is uh, the purview of Alan Pettibone, our good friend and lighting master, thank Captain you, Creative. Thank you, Al. Look at You're that blue up. light behind me. Isn't that Truly, beautiful? Isn't I that look beautiful? like I just ascended it's, from... It's an angel. From angel thing he's Some going for there. Place. Yeah, thank you, Al. The, the mothership. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Always bring it back to some George Clinton That's shit. Right. That's just how it works, man. That's loyalty right there. Connection. We love loyalty. Uh, and of course, for our good friends at uh, slowviber.com, thank you guys for providing us yeah, custom I see, masks. Allowing I see you've got a pocket references up there. Oh my God. Well, let me finish my slow fiber love. You bet. Thank you. Yes, I do. Uh, the people at Slow Fiber make it so we can uh, still work together with masks. We do this the social distancing thing, and it works out really good. Our, People in our different shops uh, use their products. Uh, if you're interested, reach out to them. Uh, and all things uh, fabric and uh, notions and sewing and, in our case, uh, COVID-19 masks. Uh, we have friends of the show. Uh, we didn't have our comments page up today, so I can't say who reached in, but I appreciate all you guys for viewing. But one of our good friends, Charlie Zaricki, uh, we love this guy, good friend of the show, uh, provides us with these little pocket references and our little monkey anti-gig uh, butt. Um, but I got a new batch of them, and if you're interested, you send us your, uh, we got 10 of them to give to friends of the show, and these things get you out of trouble on the regular, I'm telling you, man. It is uh, an, an incredible. You want to uh, know knots, you want to know Calvin, bolt size, whatever you want. Hubbles, uh, no, I don't care. It's, you get one, yeah, you, yeah. you earned one. Oh yeah, no, no, let's do this right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Like yeah, you. that's thank, you. Uh, thank Charlie's rigging. I mean, thank, thank you, Charlie's rigging. We appreciate you. We got Clint, Clint Wesley, uh, Noah the Beard Tanner. I mean, just a lot of Hollow Duel. Uh, really, uh, people, we really appreciate for staying in there with us. This is our 19th episode. Next week, we're, we're, <laughs> we're having Big Daddy on the show. We're going to bring out Greg Price. Greg Price is from Diablo Digital. He is uh, Ozzy's guy, Black Sabbath's guy. He, he's, he, 
taught me, uh, he is the man. And it's going to be a hell of a show. We're really lucky to have him. We hope you guys, you know, tune back in. I'm lucky to have my friend Kyle Thomas for helping me out. Seriously, dude. Really. Always a pleasure, brother. You, you, there's nothing that you don't do. You're a badass. Thank you, brother. And, Thank you. and the whole team. We appreciate you, the viewing audience. And we hope to see you back next week, Thursday at 7 p.m. Come hang out with us and have a talk with Greg Price. It's going to be a good show. Until then, take care of yourselves and have a good night.